0: Welcome to the Utility Finance Technology Podcast. Today, you'll hear from Joe Vaccaro, Senior Developer with Con Edison's Finance Intelligent Automation Team. Joe started off as a technology-interested accountant, but now leads a team of developers that serves the entire accounting group at ConEd. ConEd. In this episode, we'll hear how Microsoft Forms can be used to structure information that was previously communicated via email. And we'll hear Joe's perspective on generative AI and how Microsoft Power Apps could make the biggest impact on accounting and finance since the introduction of the first electronic spreadsheet program. It's my pleasure to welcome Joe Vaccaro to the podcast.
1: Joe Vaccaro, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining. Um, Joe, I, I, um, I was introduced to you, uh, I think it was earlier this year, actually, in Denver uh, at the uh, EEI conference. Um, you were doing one of the sessions for the, um, the corporate accounting group on automation, and it was awesome. <laughs> and you got a lot of great feedback even in the room that day, a lot of folks that were very interested in what you're doing there at Con Ed. So um, very much looking forward to you sharing with us today. So maybe we'll start out. Joe, if you don't mind, just uh, giving us a brief uh, description of your current role.
2: Yeah, sure. So um I've been kind of uh, working in the automation space at Con Edison for about five or six years now. Um, So I started out uh, just kind of as a Blue Prism developer, a little bit in my spare time. (laughs) Um, And uh, now it's kind of evolved into uh, the senior developer for the finance intelligent automation team. Um and I'm kind of leading leading that team as well so uh you know we're really working on trying to put together some solutions uh for all of finance with a focus on corporate accounting because that's where we're embedded at the moment
1: <laughs> okay, so finance intelligent automation team so uh is that like help me understand the reporting structure there uh, for that team where does it reside
2: so uh we're currently um we're working on on modifying that to make it make a little bit more sense, but right now we are uh, we're just embedded within corporate accounting in a regular accounting group. Um, so we're in the process of maybe restructuring that into our own uh, team with like a separate reporting st- structure. But as of now, we're just right within corporate accounting. Uh, you know, as uh, just another accounting group. <laughs>
1: Gotcha. So the reason for that is that you want to your group is really going to be serving all of accounting, right? So for you to be housed in some kind of corner of accounting maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. You're more of a service organization to all of accounting, if I understand correctly. Right,
2: right. I mean, and the, and the reason it kind of happened that way was because when we started out, um, like I said, we, it was kind of like part time in addition to my accounting work. And it sort of evolved into this is my full time role working. You know, as kind of a service organization for everybody, like you said, um, but that was never really the way it was designed or structured when it started. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, these things do tend to evolve. evolve.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the structure of your team then? Who, who is uh, who? All working on that automation front,
2: right? So, so I'm kind of leading the team and sort of serving as the senior developer, and I have about four people working under me at the moment. Um, and we have a, we have a team of interns with us as well. Um, and, uh, they've been really helpful. So we actually have, um, computer science majors, uh, interns working in accounting. Um, and we found them to be really useful because they can kind of help fill some of those gaps on the, uh, tech side. Um, so, you know, I can kind of serve as like a business analyst as well as a developer. Like I can walk in both worlds and then yeah. they can fill in the gaps on some of the, uh, technical, uh, you know, where we might need a little technical expertise.
1: Okay. So, yeah, so it's interesting. You've, you, uh, sort of defined your role as senior developer on the team. Now, typically when I hear that term senior, I mean, I I work in software. So usually when I hear that term senior developer, you're talking about somebody who is a sort of a developer by education by, you know, and, and by career, um, you You are a finance person by uh, education, right so so how did you how did you kind of um, i don't know start dipping your toe in the water on the um, the, the software development side?
2: Yeah so uh, kind of an interesting story I mean I, de- I have an accounting degree. I started working in accounts payable uh, like thirteen years ago um, and so uh, yeah definitely doing accounting work when it when we first started and um, always sort of been kind of tech savvy and uh, got myself involved in some of the tech side of accounting right from the beginning. Um, It really kind of went deep into it when we um, moved over to Oracle. Um, So we had a major ERP implementation. And when we first came over into Oracle, we found some like reporting that we were missing some things that we needed. And I kind of taught myself how to write SQL queries to, to develop these reports that we wished we had. And uh, it was all uphill from there. So uh, just kind of took that and ran with it. Um, you know, just always writing more and more complicated uh, queries or, uh, you know, Excel macros or whatever it may be. And uh, then I had that opportunity to learn how to develop in Blue Prism um, and so that's, uh, and Blue Prism, I guess I should clarify that. So that's a robotic product process automation tool um, or RPA. And um, so we started off there about five or six years ago and um, and uh, it, it's been really useful. We still use it for a lot of the stuff that we're doing and um, recently have been getting into the power platform stuff, which I'm sure you're going to ask a lot more questions about.
1: <laughs> yep, Absolutely. So you mentioned that your group started off as a sort of a citizen development um, group where I think some of the tools you were using, the idea was that they were going to be used across uh, finance and different people would be able to jump in and start using them to automate their own processes. But that, that basically became Joe Development and uh so, so really saying hey joe's really good at this let's let's really focus our efforts on on letting joe get up to speed and uh and learn how to use these tools what were can, can you identify some of the reasons that that broader citizen development model maybe di- didn't get traction where you sort of the, the organization said it's it, it'd actually be better to just centralize that function
2: yeah i think it was kind of uh, basically came down to two things um, so the first I think blue prism and the RPA technology turned out to be a little bit trickier than we originally thought um, so just getting people to kind of learn that and and stay up to date on it uh, became more of a challenge than anticipated um, you know and it, it's definitely the kind of thing that if you don't use it frequently you start to forget it Um, so that kind of moves into point number two, that, um, uh, we, uh, most of the team couldn't really dedicate the time necessary to really learning the tool and creating, um, value added automations. Um, so, you know, trying to do it as a part-time job just really never succeeded for us, um, you know, it's it's, and we, we did have a lot of successes in that time period, and there was a couple of of developers who were really good at it. Um, but over time, you know, they moved on to different roles, or mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, some of the other ones just kind of uh, trickled out and focused more on their accounting day to day. You know, and I think I think one of the other reasons why that happened, and one of the challenges was that we kind of went to everybody, we went to the whole organization, and said, "Give us somebody that you think might." like doing this um, and I don't know that we always ended up with all the right people so you know that was kind of a mm-hmm. lesson learned I guess of uh, people I believe that the technology is not tremendously difficult to learn the main thing that you need is you got to want to do it
1: <laughs> yeah that's a great point Joe and and something certainly I've encountered in my career I mean most most accounting tax finance people they don't they don't have a lot of bandwidth. So so they may have bandwidth to to find processes that can be automated, but to actually, I mean, it takes time to learn the tools and to scour all of the different uh, user communities to figure out how to do what you're going to do. So you really do have to be focused. and, And most finance folks, between closing and getting ready for closing and all of the other activities, uh, financial reporting—all those things that they have to do—that does not lend itself to just you know being able to carve out the day a week that it would take to uh, to be effective at the technologies over time. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, Joe. Um, I, I uh, I, as I mentioned, I, I saw your presentation at AGA EEI, and your focus, as I remember, in that. Uh, presentation was around forms the in on the Microsoft power platform, so that was very interesting. can you walk walk me through the journey that sort of led you to build those forms you know what problem you were trying to solve and and what ways you tried to solve it that ultimately landed on hey this is this is the
0: right tool to use yeah absolutely so um
2: really it all came down to uh during the course of of Beginning our automation processes um, and doing the RPA, the main thing that you need for that kind of stuff is structured data. Um, it, you know, so you need to have to know exactly what you're going to get, what format it's going to be in, and have all of your information kind of laid out for you. Um, it can make decisions, but it needs to always be the same decision. You need to be able to anticipate, you know, different paths. Um, So we started out trying to say, how do we get this structured data from, you know, these various processes where maybe we're receiving an email, Um, you know, and the organization that I'm kind of still embedded in is um, it does accounts receivable billing for uh, non-customer related energy bills. So we would get an email from someone and I mean, I'm talking about 10 years ago, but we would get an email from someone saying, like, can you bill this customer? you know, $100 for this service. And, you know, then there's a lot of back and forth of saying, okay, well, what's the customer's address and what's this and what's that? And so the first step in attempting to automate that process was how do we get all of the information that we need in the right format all at once? Uh, and so we said we needed to create a form, a, you know, a request form for people to submit this information. Uh, and we started out with IT built forms um, so we went to the ID, IT department and we said, build us a form to, to make this request. And, you know, we, and my team was involved in that of mapping out what fields we needed and all of that stuff. Um, and we submitted those requests to them. What we, and we still use those forms to this day, but what we found over time is if the forms were not super complex, we were actually limiting ourselves in that now every time we needed to make a change or an update to that form, we had to go back to IT um, and we're not always their top priority. So, you know, we have to go into a queue and wait until they have the bandwidth to work on our form. That was when we started to venture out and say, how can we start creating our own forms? Um, if it's not super complex, we can probably do it ourselves. Uh, And that was kind of when we stumbled across the Power Platform and started working in there and created a bunch of uh, apps through Power Apps um, and started requesting the data through there and having 100% control over the forms and, um, you know, being able to update things on the fly and do whatever it takes to keep the business going.
1: (laughs) Who was the group that uh, enters data into the form?
2: So in in a lot of the cases, it could be basically anybody in the company, you know, in in the example I gave for, you know, requesting an invoice to a customer, uh, you know, sometimes it's field crews or engineers or, um, you know, it's a a pretty broad audience. Uh, It's an accounting process, but Mm -hmm. the request could come from anyone.
1: That's interesting. So you're talking about potentially a very large user base for these tools that you're developing. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So so we we
2: probably do about 30 requests a day that the automation processes on average.
1: Okay. And if you're talking about that coming from field people, I mean you're you're talking about hundreds or thousands potentially of of people that that could log in and, and use those forms.
2: Yeah, potentially. I mean, they're usually a little bit centralized. Um, you know, they're probably coming from an engineer or a clerk or somebody in the office. Uh, you know, it's not it's not like every field supervisor, but th- there's definitely a pretty broad
1: audience. So how do you go about, I guess, a couple of questions there? How do you go about publishing those forms uh, to to be you know just making them available for people to use? And the second question, how do you let people know that they're available and that this is kind of the new standard operating procedure?
2: Yep. So so in the Power Platform and through the IT build forms, you can control the audience um, and you can also say, you know, grant access to everyone within Edison. Um, so, you know, in some of those cases, that's that's what it is. It's any company employee has access to those forms. We can also restrict it to say any management employee um, and you can control a lot of that stuff through distribution lists and um, you know security groups, uh, you know those kind of things. Um, so there's there's all sorts of options on how you can restrict who has access to the forms, both opening it up to everybody or restricting it to a very small group. Um, so it has a lot of those controls built in, which is really nice. Um, as far as getting the message out there, uh, we do have a site that um, IT built for us, we call it our Corporate Accounting Request Portal. Um, and so all of the links are are embedded in there. Um, and I actually recently uh, got access um, to be able to add all of the forms that we're building in our group to that Corporate Accounting Portal um, so that now everything is available in one place, whether it's IT built or built by my team, you can find it all right on the same website.
1: Wonderful. Uh, well, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. So basically, you're, the, the company has a page, I'm sure, like most other companies do, a homepage, and they'll have a, a link to go to this uh, corporate accounting request portal. And now you have the ability to push new forms out there and maintain the existing forms using the Power Platform? Yep.
2: Yep, and even um, so, a lot of the a lot of the stuff we built through Power Platform is built on top of SharePoint, and even the IT uh, forms. A lot of those are built on top of SharePoint. Um, so you know, you also have the standard like SharePoint controls, which is basically the same as what I already talked about. But
1: yeah, uh, what uh, I I guess I'm just thinking about the the initial conversations with IT to. Enable this capability for you. Were there some some hurdles, some concerns uh, that you had to clear with with IT? I don't, in terms of just cybersecurity or um, just I, I don't know the the any number <laughs> any number of technical or security concerns that IT might might throw in the way. Was that a pretty easy process to to get you to the point that you can now push new forms out?
2: So uh on the power platform side it really hasn't been too much of a challenge um a lot of that stuff has been turned on and accessible to all company employees um what we've been working on recently is actually kind of restricting the environment for ourselves um you know creating more uh pipelines for deployment uh of our solutions and really kind of structuring things a little bit a little bit tighter um mm-hmm. You know, as, a, as creating our own environment so that we're not exposed to the entire company. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of that I actually got out of the Microsoft Power Platform conference. I learned a lot about the governance and, and you know, different options within Power Platform. Um, mm-hmm. So we're working on doing a lot of that stuff now. Um, but in general, it, it's, you know, there's always some hoops to jump through and some challenges with IT. Um mm-hmm. But for the most part, the, you know the, the power platform stuff is kind of viewed as citizen development. and um, you know if I'm developing it by myself or you know, with my team and it's going to serve the purposes of accounting, they're kind of okay with letting us control that to a certain extent um and you know the same kind of came with that corporate accounting portal you know we did have to get some approvals and and you know uh, go up the chain a little bit but ultimately they just kind of decided like this is your website and you can have control of it if you want to
1: <laughs> wow that's great that's extremely powerful now that you've got that mechanism to really build and deploy to kind of anyone that that you want so yeah. so so the forms is one example that that completely resonates with me i mean you're you're basically taking what's largely a an unstructured and very manual process of submitting emails or you know i don't know if people still use phones to do that kind of stuff but basically taking information from from different channels that's that's not structured in the way you want and now you have a single path where that data comes in it's structured so now you can you can utilize it i i fully understand that use case. What what other types of um, initiatives, if, if you can sort of categorize them with one being the collection of data through through forms, um, what other types of, of initiatives does your team focus on?
2: Yeah, so on the Power Platform side, we've focused pretty heavily on forms and data collection. Um, we do use Power automate as well to kind of automate a bunch of tasks and you know send automated emails and reminders and and uh, some audit things like that. We've done a lot of administrative um tasks through power platform and we're still honestly we've, we've been at it for over a year now and we're still doing a lot mm-hmm. of the low-hanging fruit <laughs> um yeah, like said, I'm sure there's plenty. eliminating yeah. a lot of emails going back and forth and some of the you know basic tasks that we get and we say why are we still doing it this way <laughs> uh, okay. and that's uh, that's kind of been the basis of what we've been doing so far um but maybe more on the Blue Prism side, we do actually then take that structured data and, and perform tasks of, of like entering those. We create those invoices automatically in Oracle, uh, right? So we have a form to request the invoice and then the Blue Prism process pulls that data from the backend and manually, well, automatically, <laughs> it creates the, uh, um, the invoice in Oracle and emails it out to the customer. Uh, so we really, that's kind of like an end to end process. It's really one of our, like mm-hmm. best. um, and then we even have another process that runs to send out reminder emails every 30 days to say, you know, if your invoice is still past due, um, you know, so it's, it's really kind of, that one's a, a pretty all inclusive process.
1: So, so how do you go about identifying and prioritizing all the initiatives. I'm sure there, you, you probably have a, a pretty healthy roadmap of things that you could do.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we do have a pretty good backlog right now. Um, and so far, uh, to be honest, we haven't had a, a super formal um, structure of prioritizing. We've really kind of, like I was just saying, we've really kind of Taken processes that we're involved in that we think don't make sense, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and sought ways to improve them and uh, implement the technology to help us along the way, and um, and and it's just really been about which ones do we think have the biggest bang for their buck, um, but not a, you know, I can't say we have a very you know um, scientific way of doing that. It, it's really been more from our personal experience still at this point. Uh, since we've, uh, you know, between all of the members of our team and the people that we're close with, we've been involved with most of the processes that we've sought automation for. Um, so we have kind of SMEs, you know, within our periphery.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. That's probably a process that will also evolve over time. You've you've got plenty of low hanging fruit that you can just kind of start picking yeah, off the Absolutely. List one at a time. I
2: mean, I, so one thing that we do do is we, we've characterized most of our automations in terms of hours back to the business um, so we do kind of put that estimate in when requesting uh, an automation and that's really anybody who requests an automation they we require them to put in like how many hours does this process currently take you manually and how much time do we think we're taking so we do use that to to prioritize to a certain extent but then of course there's always uh, additional factors with that too like uh you know will this help improve controls um you know are there audit requirements around this and you know that could bump something up on the list even if it's not the highest uh, value um in terms of uh hours savings uh it may have a lot more value and you know as far as improving controls or or reducing an audit risk
1: so, okay, reduce or improving controls. That's a good lead in. so the the question that we get sometimes or that we hear other folks get is, how can I make sure that I still have good visibility and good controls on my data with automation being introduced? Is that something that you that you hear? Uh, that you get as far as pushback or as as recommendations around your your automations that your teams are working on?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think there's a bunch of different ways that you can do that. Um, we meet quarterly with our SOX team and make sure that they're satisfied with our controls. Uh, I'd say one of the biggest things we do for the more high-priority or you know higher impact processes um like i think the perfect example is the first process i ever automated our uh, transfer and correction process which are essentially correcting journal entries um so those are actually approved on both the front end and the back end um so they're submitted by a financial analyst approved by their manager then the automation picks up those requests. It uploads the journal entry into Oracle, but then those Oracle journal entries are routed to a human to spot check and approve. Um, so we've so we've satisfied a lot of those requirements by having some sort of approval on either the front end or the back end, or in that case, both. Um, and so that we're we're pretty sure the data we're getting is accurate, and then someone is spot checking. Um, or I mean, or in that case, checking every single one on the back end as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes with some automations, if they're not, you know, so, um, high priority, those reviews may taper off over time. Um, you know, like we have started off, maybe we have someone review 100% of the entries that the bot is doing. And, you know, after a couple months that hasn't made any entry, uh, any issues or less than a couple months, um we'll taper that down and say okay start reviewing 75%. um you know then we'll say okay only review everything over $100,000 or you know so we'll we'll set up those thresholds um to kind of taper that review over time until we have a certain confidence in the automation. um so yeah so i, I mean i think that's probably the uh the
1: the best way that we've avoided a lot
2: of those concerns.
1: mhm so it's really about this uh really the quarterly meeting with the sox team to introduce uh, new or to discuss new automations that you're adding and then to make sure you, you've got other eyes on that outside of your team that are making sure that they're identifying any places that potential data could get dropped or or that you could end up with the wrong answer making sure that you've got the the right checks in place um, to for to, for audit purposes around your automations. Yeah. And
2: and of course there is exception handling built into the processes themselves. So, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in in the case that the automation knows it made a mistake, you know, it'll throw up some errors. It'll send out a log file and say, you know, something went wrong with this. Um, So, you know, we, we build all that stuff into the best of our ability, but, you know, there's always instances where you know the automation thinks everything was fine, but <laughs> um, right. you know, and then we we want to try to have a a human review. Uh, you know, at least uh, you know a random review um, uh, on a, on as much as we possibly can.
1: <laughs> What's your proudest accomplishment to date for you and your team? <laughs> I'd
2: probably say I think one of the coolest ones that we've come up with recently, and probably one of the best received, um, was a rewards and recognition application. Um, So we actually started with completely revamping our uh, reward and recognition process. Of um, you know, and essentially, it's like when someone in corporate accounting does something above and beyond, you know, uh, major si- system implementation, maybe where they're you know working additional hours, or you know, helping another organization in addition to their normal functions, or you know, thing that they come up with an idea that saves the company money. You know, maybe it's one of our ideas, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, things along those lines. Um, so we were previously giving gift cards, um, and so. And it was a paper form filled out on, on, well, not paper. It was filled out on Word and, uh, you know, emailed to the payroll department to say, hey, send out this gift card. So we we worked on, uh, I guess the other piece of that was that they were also... Pretty standard in the amount of money that was granted. Um, so, a lot, so what we did in this process was kind of rework it to first of all do direct deposits instead of gift cards, so people just get extra money in their paycheck, um, and also right sizing the amount of the award with the with the accomplishment. So instead of saying everybody gets a hundred bucks, and say okay, you know, you saved the company a million dollars, but you know, maybe you deserve more than hundred bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Um, So, uh, you know, revamping that whole process, and that's a big part of what we do too. It's not just straight automation. We're really looking for process improvements while we're in the process. Um, A little bit off on a tangent here, but like one of my biggest things is we don't want to automate a bad process, you know, so if we get something that's, um, you know, they want us to automate it, but it doesn't make sense. It starts with making sure the process makes sense. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so we started off with revamping that process, but then we built the power app um for people to submit those requests it's open to anybody in corporate accounting management so they can you know um uh recommend a, a coworker uh or you know include or a manager can submit it for their employees um and then it has a power automate flow that routes those for approval um depending on the dollar amount threshold uh and and then um a report runs at the end of the, the month and sends that out to the payroll department to, to issue. And uh, then it also uses Power BI um, to create a report of all of the rewards that were issued for the previous month. Um, so that's uh, kind of a, uh, a little cheat because I'll talk about another project along with this. So I created a, a finance uh, staffing report um so it shows all of the staffing changes over the course of the month, you know, new hires, uh, separations, transfers in and out, uh service anniversaries, all of that stuff and it gets sent to the executives on a monthly basis. So part of the reward and recognition process was adding a second page to that report of all of the awards issued for the month. So it's a really nice way of of getting that information in front of the uh executives as well
1: that's exciting. I can see I can see your team probably getting very um, excited about as these as these ideas come in and continue to grow and everybody's sort of chipping in, "Hey, what if we did this?" Oh, and we could also do that. And you end up with a with a pretty pretty comprehensive and innovative solution at the end of everything.
2: Yep. It's really funny kind of a long a side note to that. I was just talking to uh, one of my employees a couple of a couple hours ago, and uh, asked him to take a look at that very app and you know make a couple of enhancements. And he was like, oh, I, "I'm so excited! I love doing this kind of stuff. Um, it's like getting the answers to the test and then being able to go back and change it on your worksheet." <laughs> <laughs> I I like that it. was a great analogy. I uh, mm-hmm. tied into what you just said.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had another question. What are you working on now? Is that what you're working on mostly, this uh, rewards and recognition application?
2: Uh, so we we finished that one a little while back. That's in production. Uh, we're just looking at a couple of enhancements right now. Um, so, you know, we're always uh, looking at some error handling, enhancements, uh, you know, going back to old forms. Um, but one of the biggest projects we're working on currently, um, it's about to go live this week, actually, is... Um, we call spreadsheet optimization. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that's kind of industry-wide, but uh, essentially it's an annual review of any spreadsheet that's used in the preparation of um, financial data. Um and it's an audit requirement that we take a look at all of these spreadsheets. I think it's starting to become a little bit outdated as we automate more of these processes and find better ways of ver- verifying this stuff. Um, but, you know, we still do this and it's basically any journal entry that starts with a spreadsheet um, and just making sure that any of the uh, formulas in that spreadsheet are, still make sense. They're, you know, there's no errors and that kind of stuff. Um, and so we just put together an app um, and I think the cool thing about it is that it's you know it has a repository basically of all of these spreadsheets, every journal entry that we do, um, and it's um, the reviewers can go in there, look at the list of all things that need to be reviewed. Uh, it has a multi-select, which was kind of a you know big thing for us. It was one of we hadn't really done that before, so you can now select multiples at once and mark them as reviewed. It routes for approval, um, and then. After everything has been uh, reviewed for a section, so there's a power automate flow that checks has everything been completed? No, do nothing. If everything has been completed, route it to the manager for final approval. Um, There's a separate flow um, that enables them to mark something as like uh, uh, deactivated. So, you know, if it's an entry that we're not doing anymore, they can, they don't have to review it. They can say, we don't do this anymore. Um, And the next step of this is to tie it into our journal entry process for, you know, requesting updates to journal entry information, you know, if you need to change the approver. Um, right now, all of that information is contained within Oracle. So that's definitely one of the things we're doing next. Um, like right now, if I want to change a journal entry, I just email somebody and say, hey, can you change it from, you know, Joe to Blake? And um so that's definitely next on our list. Of uh, now mm-hmm. that we have this repository of journal entries, uh, we can automate the you know the change request, um, and also requesting new journal entries will will be part of that form. So all of these. So this one's a cool one because it's going to be tied into multiple additional automations, and we're going to kind of be working on branches of this for a couple months now. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So. Um so, Joe, maybe some some broader kind of questions for you. So um, you can't can't really get any email or attend any conference uh, nowadays without hearing about OpenAI, uh, how it's going to change everything for us in finance. What what are your thoughts there about the applicability of OpenAI in finance?
2: Uh, I think it's probably going to change everything in finance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we're we're not quite there yet, Um, but I think there's already a million use cases, and as the technology continues to advance, there's going to be a million more use cases. I'll tell you a couple of ways that I'm already using it and and ways that I plan on using it um, that I think is pretty cool. So we recently got, I don't know how widespread this is, but um, they recently approved within Con Edison um, the Bing generative answers. Um, So it's like embedded within Microsoft Edge. Um, And so we have access to that now within the company. Um, And I think it's protected like within our own firewalls and the information is not shared externally. so, I've been using that a ton to do automations. Um, and you can actually pull that up and it becomes like a little sidebar in Microsoft Edge. And you could type questions in there. Uh, and you could type questions in there about our platform. And since it's Microsoft, the Microsoft, I'm sure it works even better. Um, and, and so you can, it will actually spit out like codes. Um, you know, I was working on something yesterday of creating. Um, Turning a combo box in Power App into a people picker, um, and so I've typed it into the uh, into the Bing Chat, and it spits you out, and it just says here, use this connector, paste this code into this field, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty amazing. It really it really simplifies the process of doing something, and uh, you know, even if you already know how to do it, just say like, what was the syntax on that? It, like you just type it in there, and it gives you the answer. Um, you know, and so it's 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 a pretty powerful tool, um, and really kind of speeds up automation. And a lot of that, the the same technology uh, they call it Copilot, Microsoft calls it Copilot, and that's also being built into the Power Platform. Um, the, the Power Platform conference was talking about that almost exclusively, like you said. <laughs> um, that's the future of the Power Platform. It is basically co-pilots on every page, and it can help you build automation simply by describing what you want it to do. Um, In my personal experience, I haven't found that it's quite there yet. I still think it's easier to create it myself. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) if you're starting with no experience, I think it can help you get there. Uh, It definitely creates like a wireframe. And then you can kind of plug in some of the details. Um, So very useful in that regard. And the next kind of things that I plan on using it in, um, they're also rolling out, uh, Microsoft is rolling out the ability to embed that Within your applications, so we'll be able to publish forms for people to use that will have this embedded AI within it. Um, so you know, you could type in questions of you know, what is this what does this information in this form mean, or you know, and you can pr- kind of it can kind of find those answers. You can connect it to to other data sources, to connect it to the ConEd website to get uh, information on that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that could be really cool. And then along with that, um, power virtual agents, something I haven't used yet. And that's, um, Microsoft's chatbot. Um, so that's one of my next projects. Uh, I, I took a full course on that at the, uh, at the power platform conference. Um, so I want to create a chatbot for our carp portal. Um, and, and you can use generative answers and generative responses to kind of, uh, first of all, help you Create the bot more dynamically and help it understands people's questions better. Um, so I think that would be infinitely useful to embed on this homepage, so that people can just go in there and say, "How do I create an invoice?" and you know, it'll direct them to the job aid and then give them the link to the form. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's just going to really simplify the process. You know, and we talked about, um, you know, how do you get people to your site? Um, so I think that will help, too. I mean, they still need to get to the site, but they don't even need to know where the exact form is. The the chatbot will take you there. Um, so, so I think a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff on the horizon.
1: <laughs> so, so what you're talking about there, at least the way I understand it with OpenAI, I can see how that is very helpful to someone that's focused on building automations uh, in, using Microsoft Power Platform or anything else. If you have questions about other technologies that you might want to use, you know, it can write, it can write code for you in Python and, and different things like that. But from a, from a traditional finance person, somebody that's, you know, an accounting um, analyst or manager director, um, what do you see open AI? How do you see open AI impacting uh, folks in those roles?
2: So that's where I think maybe it's a little further out um, because I think people are rightfully so uh, kind of hesitant to import any real information. Um, and, and like I said, rightfully so. You should not really be putting in your company's data into that kind of stuff at this point. Um, so I think that's maybe a little bit further out for it to be provide that kind of generative analysis. Um, but I think, you know, the technology is kind of already there to search public information. Um, you know, and I think I saw a demo at the EEI AGA conference, of a, a, a vendor there who is, you know, creating an AI tool where you could say, like, you know, tell me um, if this company has been involved in any legal cases or, you know, give me this regulatory information. Uh, so for that, if it's public information, I think there's already some value in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But for, for more proprietary information or, you know, private financial data. I think we're not quite comfortable with that yet, so that's maybe a little bit further away. Um, but once once we get to that level, I think that's it. I think that's going to be amazing too. It's it's going to really do financial analysis and you know data analysis and probably help you write reports. <laughs> I, I think the limits are limitless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got it. All right, maybe a couple couple more questions, uh, Joe. This has been great, very insightful. Uh, uh, particularly as you're talking about what you can do with Power Platform, with the forms, um, I could see a, a lot of use cases there across uh, across uh, the folks that I, I work with uh, throughout the industry. So a couple of questions to close. Uh, first one, um, are, are there any skills that you think and this is kind of um, it's kind of related to what we were just talking about with open AI. Are there skills that you think accountants uh, and others in finance should be developing to adapt to the changing technology landscape or skills that we should be looking for in uh, new hires, you know, the, the folks coming out of college and, and out of the, uh, the accounting firms to come work in finance?
2: Yeah. I mean, so I think it's really interesting. And, you know, I've done a couple of things here and there with talking to, like, high school students or college students, you know, um, career fairs and that kind of stuff. And I've always kind of recommended to them that they take some IT classes. Uh, I, I think you're going to need to have some type of tech background uh, in any field uh, in the future. Um So, I mean, I really think that's where it's going to start. You know, I mean, I don't think every accountant needs to know how to code, um, (laughs) but you should know the technology, you know, have some basis in that kind of stuff. Um, I I also think it's really interesting. um, And at the Power Platform Conference, I thought it was really interesting that Microsoft said this themselves, that they really foresee the Power Platform to be a basic skill uh, in everyone's toolbox in the future. That's really what they're going for. And I, I think it has the potential to be that way. You know, they, Microsoft is really trying to say that, you know, the same way you use Outlook or Excel, one day you're going to use Power Apps and Power Automate. Um, and I could foresee a future where that's totally uh, possible. Um, so I, I think you don't have to be an expert and, and be creating... These automations every day, the way that I do. Um, but I think everybody should start getting familiar with them. And I, I think the really nice, the, the best thing about Power Platform is that most larger companies already have it. Um, it's already included to some extent with the license that you probably already have. Um, so I think, you know, it's very easy for you to kind of get into and start learning a little bit here and there. Uh, and I think most, I think you should. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's interesting. If you think back, when's the last time that something like this happened that that potentially is, uh, you know, was was transformational in finance and it was probably Excel, right? I mean, that's that that's the tool that, you know, people haven't always used in finance. I mean, there was a time when computers weren't used really that much in finance, but but uh, once once personal computing came about and folks started coming up to speed on Excel, well, now I mean, who do you know in accounting and finance that can't use Excel? Uh, I don't, I don't right. know of anyone. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we're saying the same thing about a lot of these tools, um, whether it's Microsoft or some other platform that, uh, that that could be transforming finance in the future.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to think when I started in the company, which is only like 13 years ago, there was still a good portion of our staff that had large calculators on their desk (laughs) 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 yep and now nobody has that anymore
1: excel for everything (laughs) yep that's right all right so final question joe what resources would you point someone toward someone that that might be looking to learn about or become more proficient in the tools that you're working in and that your team is focused on maybe those folks that are like you know what i i'm i'm got kind of a, a technical technology engineering mindset. Um, I'd like to move more toward that, even though uh, maybe my, my job is accounting. What would you point them toward?
2: Yeah, I think there's there's tons of stuff out there. Um, and I think Microsoft does a really good job of having their own tools available. There's uh, Microsoft Learn, I think it's called. Um, and that's where, when we hire new staff, that's the first place that I direct my... Um, you know developers too uh, to go onto the Microsoft website and let them teach you um, so you know there's um, there's tutorials there and there's uh, you know some examples uh, they give you uh, like to get started you know ba- basic intro projects um, so it's really like all there for um, for you for anybody to learn um, so that's that's a great resource uh, I think they also have like a lot of upskilling sessions and stuff like that. So I I think Microsoft in general is a great resource to learn Microsoft products. (laughs) Um, Other than that, you know, I mean, I think there's conferences are are pretty amazing for that kind of stuff. You know, there's so many things that you can learn at the conference itself, but also from the other people there. Uh, I think I learned as much from the people I networked with as I did from, you know, the actual classes and programs that I went to, you know, (laughs) and then... You also make contacts that you can continue to reach out to and say, "Hey, I have this problem I can't figure out. You know, have you done anything like this? Uh, you know, and I, I think we have a pretty good community uh, of people who you know are willing to help each other." Um, I mentioned to you earlier that there's that utility automation meeting monthly, um, and we share different ideas and, and problems and questions, and uh, and it's it's a great group. Um, so you know that kind of stuff is always out there. I had another idea that I forgot.
1: <laughs> well, that's 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 plenty that's that's plenty right there, Joe. And and it's it's very exciting to me, being a, a technology person that has worked in utility uh, finance for about twenty years, to to see this really you know kept catching on. Um, you know, I think I think utilities get a somewhat of a, a, a bad rap, but whether it's fair or, or unfair, of just being slow to adopt um, you know, new technologies. But what I see you doing here at Con Ed, uh, what you're doing um, in, uh, in collaboration with other utilities uh, is extremely exciting. And, and I think it's, you know, in some ways you're, you're really leading the way Uh, For folks, um, just just showing them what is possible, how how things actually, like you were talking about earlier, what low hanging fruit is out there that you can tackle easily with the tools that are available to you, without even having to uh, spend uh, additional, you know, buy additional software to to uh, solve those problems. So, very exciting and and uh, and and very interesting what what your uh, what your group is working on over there. So, very much appreciate you sharing today joe and um and i look forward to uh, to hearing more about how you are transforming finance there at con ed and and uh and influencing others throughout the industry
2: yeah absolutely uh thanks for having me it was a great conversation happy to share
0: Thanks for joining the Regulated Capital Conversations podcast with Blake Andrews. We're excited about upcoming conversations we have planned with technology superstars in our industry. So make sure you follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also excited to hear from you. If there's someone you'd like to hear from, or if there's a topic you'd like for us to cover, drop us an email at podcast at Who knows? Maybe the next guest on Regulated Capital Conversations is you. We'll see you back again for our next episode soon.